Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg ad-free and right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is the Ion Travel Podcast with CBS News Travel Editor Peter Greenberg, presented by Clear. Enroll today at clearme.com slash Ion Travel and try Clear at the busiest airports nationwide. It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist. 
And now the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, the travel detective, Peter Greenberg. Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London, you just never know. This week we come to you from the island of St. Kitts, formerly known by the way, or originally known as St. Christopher Island, right here in the British West Indies. I've said this for many, many years, it started years ago uh, with an amazing uh, person I met in Bermuda. Then another amazing person I met actually in New York and, 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 and finally in Alexandria in Egypt. And now the gentleman who joins me now, what do they all have in common? They know their locations very well because they basically, before they became historians and storytellers, they were driving a cab. <laughs> they were driving a cab. Leonard Stapleton, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, so, but you've been really a historian for as long as you can remember. Uh, yes. Um, when you grow up with your grandparents, you you can't help but becoming um, uh, a historian. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about history. What's the one thing about this island? And you can throw Nevis in if you want. Of but, course I will. But what, of course you will. <laughs> but what's the one thing about this island that people do not understand? Uh, what they don't understand is that because our history and culture is so unique, um, it has bred a special class of people that really embrace the entire world. Um, anybody that comes here, it doesn't matter where you come from, what color, creed, or religion, you are readily embraced. But the thing is, we have to go back in that culture to find out how yes. all that started. <laughs> yes. Right, because this island, among many others, was a, a, a big stopping ground in the slave trade. Oh, yes. Um, but we had, some, we had some bad cases, but we also had some groundbreaking good cases. Um, and these cases are things that you could look back on. Um, even today where we have uh, all the different conflicts between the different races and so forth, you could look at some of the sites here in St. Kitts and some of the events that took place. And, and the events that you're talking about are, are really the events of the emancipation too. Leading up to that, yeah. um, there's one particular site here that's called Lawyer Stevens Cave. And it's associated with a lawyer that came here, a white lawyer. And based on what he saw, happening to his black brothers, and that's, that, that were the words he used, his black brothers, and this is during slavery, that he's gonna dedicate the rest of his life, all of his energy, all of his talents, to making life better. In 1807, he was this a singular force behind the ending of the British slave trade. He didn't stay there. He actually used his position in parliament to basically influence a committee that would later decide whether or not Britain should continue with slavery altogether. He died in 1832, but by that time he had done enough to make sure that by 1833, the very next year, Britain voted to finish with slavery altogether. Now here's the thing I, I'm, I'm trying to get my arms around. Let's go back to that year. They get Parliament to vote it, the decision is made, how, did, how long did that news take to get here? <laughs> One year. It, I, it, see, I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. I mean, like, nobody picked up the phone. There were no phones. There was no telegraph. It was like somebody showed up on a ship and said, oh, by the way, about nine and a half to ten months ago, this would happen. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, um, the very airport that you oh. landed in, Roy, um, the Robert Llewellyn Bratcher Airport, is actually situated on the very plantation where the emancipation was read officially. So that airport has... So that runway was once worked by <laughs> slaves. Yep. 
and it well, it's, it's holds some significant um, significance in our heart because to me, an airport is a symbol of freedom. That's if, if you have the money to fly in and out. But you know, the irony is, is not lost on me, right? It's a symbol of freedom, but it was land that was once worked by slaves. Yes. It's sort of like the uh, Holocaust Museum in Berlin mm -hmm. was built on top of Hitler's bunker. <laughs> that should tell you everything you need to know, right? Yes, yes, yes. One of the things that I've always been fascinated by, and, 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 and I was surprised to learn it because I didn't do enough homework on this, but now I have. When we did the radio show from St. Croix, of course, we learned that Alexander Hamilton had been there. Yes. He was also here. He was, in, uh, he was born in Nevis and had different people contribute to his upbringing. His mother, um, Rachel, of course, which is Caucasian. Um, his nannies were actually black slaves. And also the Jewish... And, which meant he spent more time with them, yes. right, <laughs> than he did with, his, with anybody else. Yes, and um, his early education was the result of Jewish a Jewish headmaster, we had mistress that took him in after the church schools um, refused him. What that teaches us is that later on, the man that would become one of the founding fathers of the great America, and one of the things that make America great, of course, is those, um, that constitution loaded with values that he would have introduced and his upbringing. That, that he basically learned here. Right. We are on the island of St. Kitts, coming to you from the Marriott Resort here. And, of course, you can always reach me at peter at petergreenberg.com. Just send us your name, phone number, question or problem. We'll solve it right here in the air. We'll be doing that throughout the show. You can also follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Peter S. Greenberg or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Peter Greenberg. I've been coming to this island for many, many years. I love it because it's small. It's manageable. It has all the diverse topography you'd, topography you'd ever want. Uh, it's got... A rainforest. It's got a volcano. It's it's got great beaches. It's got great fishing, which I really love. And uh, and because it's such a small island, you get to know everybody, and and you get to actually embark on an amazing journey of having a conversation or two, which is what we're about to do now with the senior reporter from the St. Kitts and Nevis Observer, Lashon Dixon. How are you? Hi, hi. Thanks for having me. I mean, for people who've never been here. Uh, you, you have the unique opportunity to surprise them, to tell them <laughs> stuff they don't know yes. uh, about the history of the island, some of the cool places to go. But the thing that I love about this part of the world is everybody who ever showed up here, everybody who either invaded here or fought here, left something. So you've got great fortresses, you've got uh, great forts, you've got um, history with, uh, and some very sad history, with the slave trade. Uh, and, then, and then, of course, some really interesting history about the emancipation of that slave trade. You've got history with Alexander Hamilton. People think he was just in St. Croix. He was here as well. What's the biggest surprise to you? Well, well you mentioned it, the, the Alexander Hamilton um, situation. He was born in Nevis, and he lived there until he was nine years old. So it's... If if you're coming to think it's a Nevis, it's a country that's riddled with a lot of historical and cultural significance. Yeah. And it's interesting. So Alexander Hamilton was an immigrant to the United States? <laughs> I just thought I'd mention that. Yes. Yes, he was. Wow. All right. So now let's move forward about this. And where do you see history from him here? 
Well, you, you'll, you'll mostly find that in Nevis. He was born in Nevis. There's a museum in his honor. And Nevis, there, there, there are lots of um, historical landmarks um, in his honor in Nevis as well. And then, of course, there's Brimstone Hill. Yes. That's, Explain that. That, that. that was a fort built by slave labor, built by the English to defend uh, their, their, their place on the island. And you can see a lot of the history there. Yes, very much so. And you can see some of the most beautiful views you'll find anywhere in the world. You can find it there at Brimstone Hill. And then the Black Rocks. Yes, Black Rocks, it's a site where volcanic rocks that's, that was spat out by Mount Lyamiga, nearby Mount Lyamiga, they, they are um, neatly aligned alongside the beach. If you go there, you'll find many craft vendors and many other uh, uh, food vendors as well to, to, to buy, to buy from, to but get if, souvenirs from. But if you're smart, you don't go there during the daytime. You go there at dawn or <laughs> yes. you go there when the sun is setting because then that's the best photo op you're going to get without being handled by people wanting you to buy stuff. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, especially at sunset. Sunset is probably the best time to visit there. So where are you going to take me to eat? That's what I want to know. Where are we going? Well, there are many places you can go. There's restaurants such as Reggae Beach, Shigeri Shack, and the Figgy Ship. There's Marshalls, where you can get some Wait, wait, let's back up here. Where are we going to go first, and what are we going to eat? By the way, this is radio, but I think Lashon likes to eat. Yes, I do. Who doesn't? You got it. Yes. Um... One, I would recommend uh, Reggae Beach. That's a beach bar on Kakashel Bay. It's and, and what are we going to eat there? I would recommend fish of some sort, any type of fish. Now the fish. cool thing here's the cool thing about St. <laughs> Kitts, and that is the fish is fresh. It's caught that morning. Yes. Uh, and in fact, I go out there early in the morning with some of the guys who fish and and then bring it back, and they let me cook it too. <laughs> so that's the cool part, right? Yes. But is it true? But the bars are open how long? Well, a lot the, of tr- the truth, how long? Some, uh, you, you, can, you can say almost 24 hours per day. Um, those on the Figure Best Ship, they, they would open probably at 10 a.m. And then they will go until <laughs> sometimes the wee hours of the morning and then <laughs> do, this, do it again the, the, the next day. So they are open almost 24 hours, especially... Um, on the weekend. And the favorite drink of you is? Well, my favorite drink, I like uh, Johnny Walker Black <laughs> with, <laughs> with, 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 with Coke. <laughs> so you, you kind of tone it down with the Coke. I yes, guess, yes, I guess. yes. But what's the favorite, favorite local drink here? Uh, my favorite local drink, I would have to say um, a tamarind, a tamarind um, locally made drink from tamarind. Uh, where you take the tamarind and you have it soaked for a few minutes and then you sweeten it to your likeness. If it's a bit sour for me, it's, <laughs> it's, it, it's my favorite. Now, since you're reporting on all things St. Kitts yes. and Nevis, what's the biggest challenge here on the island right now? What's the biggest problem? Well, one problem we had was crime, but uh, recently the gang men have have um, taken a peace treaty with each other. So, that has so this def- is gang violence? Yes, 
Yes. Uh, we were. There were a pro- there was a problem with murders. Um, that would be a problem. Yes, <laughs> but up until March 2019, that's when we had the last gang-related murder due to the gangmen coming together and um, coming up with a peace treaty. And they've held the treaty. Yes, for the most part. Yes. What do you mean for the most part? Well, not for the most part, but yes, they 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 have held it. <laughs> they have held it. It's. It's a problem that we have seen um, weighed away um, over the past few months. And then they get to celebrate the treaty by going to a bar that's open 24 hours a day. Yes. yes. I'm trying to get a connection here. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) All right. What about the environment? Well, the environment, in in St. Kitts, you'd find some of the best hikes you you can get uh, anywhere in in the world. Like? Like? Yeah, uh, I hike to to the crater at Mount Nyamiga. I hike to Dudan Pond, and the just a rainforest hike, a normal rainforest um, adventure. But the good news is the volcano is dormant and has been dormant for a long time. <laughs> Most people really don't even know where St. Kitts is, how it got its name. Uh, great stories about that. Of course, you can thank Christopher Columbus for that. Uh, he liked it so much that he named it after the patron saint of travel. And, uh, and that would be St. Christopher. It was later shortened to St. Kitts. And joining me now is a native Kittitian. Did I say that one right? I did. O'Neill Mulrain, who, if you're going to come to St. Kitts, you've got to hang out with O'Neill because one of the things that is a trademark of St. Kitts is the rainforest. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, sir. Now, you, you take me out there, don't you? What's particularly interesting about the rainforest here? It's very unique. And I think we have the smallest rainforest in the world. The smartest? Smallest. Oh, the smallest. smallest rainforest because of our island only 68 square mile. But what we have, we are quite satisfied and we are happy. And I know it very well, so I'm able to deliver. What am I going to see there? It's uh, 400 different species of trees can be found in the Naka Forest. And they're all standing out there for a purpose. The monkeys you talk about, they're not indigenous species. They're monkey which was actually introduced to the island. Yeah, uh, Coastal Chris was talking about that earlier in the show. They jump ship. Yes. And today, I would say we are overpopulated of those monkeys. And they're actually being a pest to farmer's garden, but you don't see them every time you take nature walk. Well, if they're the monkeys that I think they are, uh, don't let anything fall from your pocket or... Uh or, or because they're going to grab it. Well, some of them are really intelligent. If they're that close, they'll grab it, yes. <laughs> but when you see 400 species? I wouldn't say we have about 400, but I think we have a lot, yes. I said maybe about 50,000, 60,000 monkeys, not 400. No, I'm talking about 400 species of trees. Yes, 400 different species of trees. Wow. Anything poisonous? Yes, some plants are poisonous, but you would only get poisoned if you happens to eat, cook, eat okay not by touching not by touching not by rubbing 
Well, there are some plants when you butt on them, they're like nettles. They actually make you scratch. And if you have nails, you can scratch the skin from your flesh. Now, as small as the rainforest is, it's covering 35% of the island. Yes. So if I'm going out with you hiking, how, much, how long am I going to be out there? Depends on what tour you are, you want to do. I do have the rainforest that I can give you uh, half an hour, hour, hour and a half, two half hours. Half an hour for sissies. Well, if you're not up to it. Don't you say that about it. me, no. <laughs> <laughs> just a feel of it. Okay, so we've got four, and you've been doing this for what, 44 years? 44 years this year. Wow. So what's the biggest surprise when people take these rainforest tours that they're not expecting to see? They, they expect to see animal which we don't normally have, but before I do start the nature walk, I explain that we don't have a jungle forest. We have a rainforest that exceeds uh, 65 to 85 inches of rain a year. So we have no lion, no tigers, no bear, no wolf, no dinosaur, no crocodile, no alligator. Wait, wait. Snakes? No snakes. No snakes of any kind. So I don't want them before. If they expect to see these things, we don't have in our forest. Nature walk is carefree. But there's a reason why you don't have snakes. I think we had them in the early days, but I heard the French people might have brought mangoes to the island at part of their pet. And they ate them. And they eat snakes and frogs and iguanas. Okay, the obvious question I've got to ask is, what happened to the mongoose? They're still there, getting big. <laughs> what, are they, what are they eating now? Uh, bird and bird eggs, chicken and chicken eggs, rat and lizard when they could. <laughs> so there's nothing dangerous about the rainforest? I would say no. And nothing physically challenging? Uh, except the hike. It goes up to an elevation of 3,000 feet. So hydration? To, yeah, to see the volcano. If you're not really being a fit person, then that could be a really big impact on you. Exactly. And how long does, it, does the, the nor, not the sissy tour, but how long does the normal tour take? Uh, hour and a half. That's easy. Mm -hmm. Totally manageable. And that's for the rainforest. For the volcano, if I'm going to give you a hike. Yeah, let's talk about the volcano. Uh, the volcano goes up to an elevation of 3,000 feet, and we normally average hour and a half, over 40 to two hours, based on fitness. All the way, all the way. All the way to the top. Now, this is a volcano that's been dormant for, what, 400 uh, years? Over 400 years, plus. But some people think, what, it could, it could go? Uh, some people think that it could go any time, but I heard that volcano react like every 450, 500 years. And so we got some time. We got some time. <laughs> If you want to know anything about how St. Kitts became St. Kitts, my next guest might be able to help you out because she's the custodian, as she likes to say, of the nation's memory. She basically is the director of the National Archives here uh, at the Federation of St. Kitts and Nevis, Victoria O'Flaherty. How are you? I'm fine. So, you know, th there's so much history here. The question is, was it really recorded? And how is it recorded? And then how do you interpret that so people can have access to it so they can understand the past and deal with the present? Um, it, it has been recorded. Unfortunately, we went through a phase where um, the records were destroyed. Of course, if we go back to the Kalinago, or as a lot of people still like to call them, the Caribs, then it would be 
oral traditions and so it's on. Oral which, storytelling, yeah. which would not, with the ones related to Senkits, have not really survived. And by the way, that's the same story that you'll hear in Hawaii. Yeah. With the original ancient Hawaiians, they call it talk story mm-hmm. because that's exactly how the history was passed on. Yes. Yes. Do you have any oral recordings? Unfortunately, no. Oh. The the um, the indigenous population that was here at contact um, died out. Way the before. majority of them by 1629. Some of them lingered on till the end of the century. And not many paper records. None. None. Wow. All we have are census reports saying that they still existed here. Right. And you still have that, right? You still, um, you not still. here, unfortunately, no. But we know that they're in the public records office in, in England. But the other thing that's interesting here is the whole history of the sugar industry. Yes. And how that either built the island or hurt the island. Yeah. And what can I find there? <laughs> Quite a bit. Because everything was sugar. Everything was sugar and everything was slavery, unfortunately. Um, and they were connected. Yeah, there could not have been sugar without the enslaved. Right. Um, they were they were the ones who worked it. They they produced it. They um, produced it in the fields. They worked the different mills on the island. There were several. There were quite a few at at one point. Almost every plantation had one. Um, you'll still see some of the remnants of those around the place. Um, yeah. And at one point, St. Kitts was divided between the English and the French and then ultimately became British. Yes. How did that happen? Lots of wars. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the reasons why we don't have records for that time. I, think, I, I keep telling people I think the French and the British were busy burning out each other at that time. They probably were. And we, but, do, we do know that they were doing it on the estates. So but, I suspect the records went as well. But learning from that, mm-hmm. you're keeping records now. Oh, Yes. Yes. And what will I find interesting about the records from, let's say, the past 30 or 40 years? That would involve the closure of the sugar industry, which was a major event for us. And a real hit on the economy. um, I think it was probably draining the economy to a certain extent because... The prices were so low. Yeah. The the international price of sugar was low. The cost of making it on on a small island is extremely high. And by the way, the same thing happened in Hawaii. Yes. They closed all the sugar mills. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we didn't have the sugar mills by that point because um, they had all been um, amalgamated, you could say, into one big sugar factory. Yeah. And all the others were more or less sidelined. Right, that's uh, what happened in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. There and was one uh, left, there was one left in Maui, and it went. Yeah. yeah, the one, the one in Bastyr. There's still some galvanized. In, in the capital. In the capital. Yeah. 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 If you'll see it as soon as you land. <laughs> you can't miss it. Yeah. You can't miss it. Yeah. Uh, all right. So you you can document the whole trajectory of the sugar industry. Yes. What about the slaves? The enslaved. Um, what we do is we usually read the records of the administration and try to interpret what's what is behind those records like for instance um in 1711 and 1722 they passed very restrictive laws about runaways etc which means that people were really resisting enslavement and, you know, um, that kind of builds up the story about what was going on in, in the individual um, estates and so on. We, uh, we're also aware of plantation records, which, we, which did not survive here, probably because hurricanes 
weather conditions. The climate here is horrible for paper. And um, the, the many changes in the administration of the estates, because the, the estate owners like to be abroad in comfort where they could exercise political... Um, so they were absentee owners. Yes. And they would have their um, representatives here, whom they change, changed whenever they felt they weren't performing well. And I suspect that a lot of records um, went with, with them whenever they, they went off island. First and foremost, let's go back to my embracing of a certain philosophy when it comes to travel, and that's to ask the locals to immerse yourself in the local culture, hang out with the people who actually live and work here, take all the brochures and burn them, and then you have a better experience. And my next guest knows a lot about that because not only is she a native Kittitian, she has been doing what I'm about to tell you for the last 25 years. If you're lucky enough to hang out, not we're not talking about some like big charter fishing boat, I'm thinking like hanging out with the guys who have their own boat who just like to go fishing and you jump on their boat, and you gotta get up early in the morning. When you're done, you head for her place. Her name is Allison Spencer. She's the owner and the founder of something called Spratnet. And what's Spratnet? It's where you go with the fish to cook it and hang out. Allison, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's been going for 25 years. Yes, it has, yes. Did it just evolve this way? I mean, you just didn't open up one day and say, hey guys, come cook your fish here. Um, not really. My brothers, they're fishing and they came up with the idea, why don't we sell what we caught, the fish, Fetch. The day boats. Right. Yeah. So that's how it all started. And right in the village that they actually bring the boats in. So it was right there by the fishing. Now, you're located in Old Road Town. Yes, we are. As opposed to going to take my horse down the old town. No, okay, let's not go there. Uh, but not far from here. No. And you just got a simple cluster of picnic tables. It's nothing, nothing fancy. But if you want real food, real fresh... That's where you go. So this now I gotta Spratnet. ask. I gotta ask the, well, How did the name come about? Well, sprat is like um, it's actually a fish. It's a bait fish, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's like a sardine. Yeah, it's a bait fish. Yeah, yeah, right. And then the net that we catch it with, yeah. sprat. We used to have it actually hang up at sprat net, so you could see. Yeah, you can see exactly what, what you caught. Well, yes, yes. But you're you're not just serving sprat there. Not no, even we don't, close. We don't. No, we don't. No. We don't. You're serving much bigger fish. Oh yes. Such as snapper. Yeah. Mai mai. Uh, we got um, swordfish, lobster. What, we, what kind of lobster? Um, we call them the the spiny, not the spiny lobster, the big club lobster. Not, not the big. No, the, not the, those ones. It's the Caribbean spiny lobster. Yes, they are. Yes. Right. And the market for that's been pretty big. Big, very yeah. big. And you can't get them any fresher than that Spratnet because we supply our own lobsters well, every day. Well, you can't get them any fresher because if you're sitting there, you see the boat come in. Right, right. Literally yeah, the boat right, come in. Yeah, so. What's the most surprising fish you've ever, saw, you've ever served there mm, um, that you can admit to? I'm going to give you a story about the swordfish. Yeah. We never really caught swordfish in these waters, but my brothers them start getting, getting the swordfish. So that was a big hoo-ha. At one time, and they're still know, and they're still getting. Oh, it? we do, we do. But it was a big for the locals, especially swordfish was a new thing for me. That was the the most surprising thing. Now everybody loves the swordfish. And how are you cooking it? We cook it on the grill, straight from the sea, marinate straight on the grill. Wood fire grill? Yes, cold. Yes. Nice. Oh, mm -hmm. cold too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And 
ribs? Did I hear ribs? We do ribs and we also do chicken and we do shrimps. So if you're not a pescatarian, you can you can still be okay. Yeah, and we also do pizzas as well. Oh, stop with the pizzas. <laughs> Everybody does pizza. You're not known for your pizza, so don't even go there. I'm not saying it's not good pizza. I'm just saying you go there for the fish. Of course, and the lobster, yes. And here's the thing that people don't realize. You don't have to go there for lunch or dinner. Go there at like 9 in the morning and have your fish because that's where the fish are coming in. Well, sometimes yeah, we do sell. We have a marketplace on site that we yeah. sell fresh fish as well. So you could come and buy some fish. Exactly. And are you supplying to other places on the island? Yes, we do. We do. We do. And what's the biggest surprise for people who come there that they're not expecting? Just the whole ambiance of the place, right next to the water. Um, well, the food for definitely, but just the whole place itself, being right on the water in a fishing village. And by the way, we're not talking fancy here. We're talking paper no, plates. No. Right? Um, yes. We just start using... Um, properly plates and cutlery because of all of the atmosphere with the Oh, no, we no, you've upscaled it. it now. Yes, we have, yes, right. about six months ago. Plus, you've got music. Yes, we have live music on a Wednesday and a Friday night, reggae and soca. Right, and one last thing, Johnny Cakes. Yes, yes. Explain the Johnny Cake, please. The Johnny Cake came from my mom. That was her recipe. And you know what? It's really good. Yes. And you eat them warm if you're really lucky. Yes, you are. Yeah. All right. Allison Spencer, owner of Spratnet. Get up really early. Find a guy with a boat. Get out there at 530 in the morning. And if you're lucky, Allison will let you come back in and actually cook it on the grill. Most definitely. You've been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location somewhere around the world. Special thanks to our sponsors at Clear. Enroll in Clear at clearme.com slash Peter and zip through busy airports nationwide. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, early and ad-free on the 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts.